friends and welcome to the dimension of our midnight cake a weekly transmission from the nexus of realities i'm soltis and joining me are my friends and fellow transdimensional beings beaches hey have you ever noticed that crossing your fingers can simultaneously mean uh that you're you're hoping for something to work out or you're silently acknowledging a lie depending on where your fingers are placed <laughs> like if my fingers are up in front of my face that means that uh I watched this movie and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Please be good. <laughs> if, my, Please be good. if my fingers are behind my back, then I didn't watch it. And I'm going to try and get by on this uh, YouTube video. I watched a few moments ago. <laughs> <laughs> and like, surely that's like a, a kind of like a fourth wall break. So surely nobody really does that in real life. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and Doug. <laughs> I, I'm speechless. I'm speechless after that. As a bonus transmission from the Nexus of Realities, we thought that it would be fun to discuss Hellraiser, the 2022 American supernatural horror film directed by David Bruckner, with a screenplay by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, from a screen story they co-wrote with David S. Goyer. A second adaptation of the 1986 novella The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker, which served as the basis for his 1987 film Hellraiser. Hellraiser had its world premiere at Fantastic Fest on September 28, 2022, and was later released on October 7th by Hulu. The film is 120 minutes long. Throughout our discussion, there will be tons of spoilers. So if this is something that you are interested in watching but have not yet, then I recommend you stop the transmission, watch the movie for yourself, and then come back to the discussion. And be sure to join us next week for a conversation about E.T., the extraterrestrial, the 1982 American science fiction film produced and directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Melissa Matheson. If you enjoy these transmissions and would like to contribute or get in contact with us, consider visiting our website at ourmidnightcake.com, liking, subscribing, and sharing the transmission with your friends. So Hellraiser 2022. This is the first and only of the, what is it, 11 hellraiser movies that are in existence uh, i think this is the 11th yes if okay if you count the one that was technically made just to uh keep the rights no classic rights move i believe that was the ninth Those one revelations uh i'm not sure about the, the revelations or judgment i don't know they just started putting random nouns at the end of every mm -hmm. <laughs> hellraiser <laughs> grand prix i think was my favorite <laughs> <laughs> Hellraiser San Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, Hellraiser Vice City would be very appropriate. <laughs> when you think about it. Yes. <laughs> it's a better title than any of the directors. 100%. <laughs> What's the really, the Hellraiser debtor? Isn't <laughs> I, anyway, I don't have a great frame of reference for the universe of Hellraiser or well, shame on it. you because it's been so good for the past 20 years. I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't have, wouldn't Holy dive crud, right there in. There is one called debtor. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were joking. No, that's a thing. <sighs> wow. <laughs> Overall first impressions. I enjoyed this film.
Yeah, nice. I think I, so. I'm not highly vested in the franchise. I don't know much about the story, but I did enjoy this film. And Sweet. I think that it was filmed in such a way to where if you are a fan of the franchise, then there would be things mm-hmm. that you would recognize and pick up and understand. A hundred percent. But if you were new to it, then you'd be okay. I'm very interested in a, in a newbie's opinion. There were specific instances where I, I felt like they were kind of relying on my knowledge of the franchise. Mm. And I'm wondering if those scenes worked for you. Well, now, now I'm curious. What scenes do you... Well, okay, just right off the bat, the first guy who dies, they sort of rely on, on more like the sound of what's going on. Than what, and I feel like we definitely, mm. as fans of the franchise, we know... We knew what happened. We knew what yeah, happened. Yeah, we, we, we've seen this before. But maybe for you, it was more like mysterious. Um, what sound are you talking about? Just of the the torture that was happening. and The chains and all that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I saw the, the chains coming out and you know, ripping them apart while as a part of this mm-hmm. ritual to, uh, I forgot his name, uh, Voight was, mm-hmm. um, right. yes. was calling to this dark god. But it got me interested right away. That mm-hmm. Okay. There's this very hedonistic party going on. And yeah. the host is this, seems to be this, this mysterious billionaire and set all this up so that he could specifically trap this person mm-hmm. to offer as a sacrifice for this ritual specifically. And I, I wanted to know more about that. Right. It sort of sets up there's some kind of system or something going on. Like early mm-hmm. on, like it kind of lays the threads of a, a mythology or whatever. Yes, I thought for, for there's, there's a lot of threads. A big history. Of, a lot of threads and history. History. That's the word I'm looking for. Like introduce, like right away. Mm-hmm. I thought for a new viewer, though, they did a better job of maybe not getting right into the gore and yes. keeping that a, a, a little, not completely, but a little more vague than what I was well, used to. Yeah, it was in the background, and yeah. you knew exactly what was going on. This poor guy getting ripped apart by these chains coming out of nowhere and by hell trapping chains. him. Ghost Rider chains. And this this poor guy, you say, that's something I want to discuss eventually, is exactly how many of these people necessarily actually deserved what was happening to them. <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> because i feel like the sure Hellraiser franchise at least in the first entry or two before it got really distorted was about people who actually sought this out or at the very least if they hadn't if they had just kind of stumbled into it they didn't you know take the chance to get away that they maybe had by that way they sort of earned what happened to them like these things didn't happen to innocent people or, right. or to, or to right. bystanders. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the thrust of the original novella was like, this guy was seeking this thing out mm-hmm. because he'd done every debauched thing he could. He's, he was kind of like void, I guess, in a way it's like, I've done every d- disgusting, pleasurable, hedonistic thing I can. Mm-hmm. And this is a promise of something even more. And it ends up being not what he expects. Right. It was inspired, I think, by Clive Barker's visits to like SM clubs in like the 80s <laughs> in like the grittiest, nastiest parts of New York. I mean, that's why originally the Cenobites were like in leather. Yeah. And stuff like that. But now you know that stuff's on the freaking, you know, bookshelf at Kroger. So uh <laughs> I mean it is. It's, you know, 50 shades of pinhead, you know, right there on the it's certainly a bit less shocking than it used to be oh yes yes and i i do like i think something 
that you had said, Beaches, when we talked about this earlier was they made the very wise move of like the stories about like the people and the yes. Cenobites. They were very patient to introduce. They kind of kept them in the background. They were almost like this force. Yeah, Pinhead is not supposed to be the point Correct. of the film. Yeah. Correct. I did like that, how it wasn't focused around the monsters or the villains mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever. It makes them far scarier, I think. It does. It's it's a little bit of that don't show the shark kind of thing where... A little restraint, you, yes. You yes, yes. yes. And, this, and things, this force that's at work. Yes, that, there's that, just that, a that force these people, of They can't do anything about it, but... It's there. Don't show the sharks exactly. That's exactly the phrase. That's it. And on the Cenobites, in the other movies, do they show anything about their origins or where they come from or what they are? Not very much. Okay, okay. One of the movies does like a pinhead backstory thing that's just like, nah. It's better if it's not there, I think. Okay. It seemed like Voight, who had found, uh, who had either found or it started right keeping this journal if he found it then he added to it i i, I guess uh yeah that would make but more it sense seemed, yeah. it seemed like he had come into contact with the cenobites and then had started seeking out after this this little cube the puzzle box that could unlock the now, are you talking about he had come into contact with them before the opening scene of the movie yes that, that's what it seemed like yeah i think okay. he talked about seeing glimpses of them Kind of like uh, I'm bleeding on the main character's name, Riley. Yeah, I, yeah he yeah. definitely he had probably gone through the thing, same thing she had, where he had discovered the box. Say Riley at times had, would like hear one or kind of see one. Like, they again, had they chosen kept it on the him, periphery. They had chosen him to bring more people into it. Okay, um, this is available to stream on Hulu, and I had paused it because I, I was very interested in what was going on in the journal. Oh yeah, and... I paused it to read it all too. Yeah, And it seems like he caught visions or glimpses of Pinhead and had some sort of almost romantic attachment to this creature. Was in awe of this twisted, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So originally, Pinhead is not even Pinhead. He's known as the priest, right? And in this version, we're calling her the priestess. Mm -hmm. Which I really enjoyed the androgynous kind of... Yeah, and I'll say that's actually the novella too. Pinhead never has a gender. The point is, like, it's, it's so, like, otherworldly. What's the word I'm looking for? It's been so scarred. Like, and, like alien? Almost. Yeah, aliens, exactly. It. It's, like, such an otherworldly alien. All the things it's done to itself. It's, like, it doesn't even seem human anymore. It seems, like, beyond human. Mm. And I felt like this portrayal of Pinhead kind of showed that a bit more than, like, I mean, it was, you know, an old British dude with like, you know, pins in his head or whatever, you know. Uh, and rather than, like you said, the the sort of the leather and chains costume, her her was almost more of a design of like what had happened to her flesh. Yeah, the, these were right. all, the concept here yeah. was that they would, I had read an interview with the makeup people and uh, the designers, ah, I should have sent that to you guys. I read it on Bloody Disgusting, but the concept was like, instead of the leather clothing, again, with the normalization of some of the, s m kink kind of stuff at kroger or probably walmart too there's probably a section now where you just go buy it like it's probably it's probably in kids sizes too or something um and and the concept was can can we make their clothes out of out of skin or you know and replacing the leather with skin and in defense of the original i know they had an extremely tiny budget 
And I think all over makeup oh, totally. designs probably would have been beyond their reach. And that was and that was more transgressive at the time. But I think there was something, if I remember right, in the novellas with the thing in the throat. Yeah, I was curious about that because it, it I, had, I love the a, way that thing looked like a like a medallion or a sigil or something yeah. lodged in the neck. And like a vivisected neck. But yeah, like you mm-hmm. say though, Peaches, it was like folds of what you think of as a robe, but it looked like it was like the skin from the legs yeah. flayed yeah. off. Or I mean, it looked complete. They look completely crazy. They look so wild. The costuming and prosthetics for these creatures, the Cenobites, are really something else. Yeah. It's worth watching it just to see that. A tiny nitpick that I would have on that is for the the exposed uh, musculature and, and things, I wish it looked a little more wet or... Or, I knew you were about uh, to bloody. say that. Yes. <laughs> but other Just than that. Just a little juicier. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't you slap some KY jelly on all the red parts for you? It's the classic practical effects is just KY jelly galore, just everywhere in corn syrup. <laughs> other than that, I mean, this is the, the attention to detail on these things is phenomenal. And I want to say these were. These were original, right? Is the Chatterer the only one you recognize, Beaches? The Chatterer, yeah, is definitely an old favorite. Chatterer and um, Pinhead were the only ones from the previous, I think. Just based on what, what we have seen before from Cenobites, I think my favorite would have to be the mask. The one that was like just a face with nothing behind it. He oh. only showed up once or twice, but I yeah. love that design. Freaky as heck. That is super creepy. The mask. He was smoking. <laughs> oh, oh, you just said that so you could freaking. I like the one that they call the gasp. Actually, oh, uh, is, that, is that the one like with the with the hoop over the it's head? It's like a and big the... flame. No, that, that, that was, was the so one. Oh, up. oh, the hoop. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was yes. like a hook made out of the flesh that was flayed off the front of the neck. I guess. To me, that was like, that just looked so wild. It's just completely crazy. I think that for me, the most disturbing one was the mother. Yeah, which is the one I think we saw the least of. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it didn't feature very much, but the body is dissected in such a way to reveal and to highlight the pregnancy that she has while being a Cenobite. And it's, it's, it's super creepy. She's like gently caressing her stomach. <laughs> So weird. Gross. It's, it's gross. Yeah. They're all very disturbing. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I wouldn't I wouldn't want but, to meet any of them. Uh yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Was it the one with the throat that like her arms start to come apart and you're like, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. How could how can this get worse? There you go. That's yeah. Okay. And, it, and it, it's like there's a moment now. where like the way they time that there is that initial reaction of seeing it. And then, boom, it splits apart. You're just like, oh, just sinks in on a deeper level. That that was really well done. The one stuck in the freaking door. Good grief. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So the actual story revolves around Riley. There are very few characters that I actually remember their names. One of my complaints for the movie is that the supporting cast was not as well fleshed out. as Not as well fleshed out as her, yeah. I think that the actress did a good job with the script and her part. I do not like the character of Riley. Yeah, so something about watching Frodo Baggins through this entire movie. Really, <laughs> through- 
they have very similar hairstyles. <laughs> it took me about 30 minutes and I kept thinking, who does she look like? And if you had seen any of the Rings of Power or the Harfoot, she is just as disgusting as they are, <laughs> if not more so. There are scenes that I I skipped just because it was super gross to for me to imagine doing that with this kind of person. Need, need to get some shots afterwards or something. I, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> just no, thank you. <laughs> they seem to go heavy into themes of addiction. Yeah. Voight having this very addictive personality and wanting more and more pleasure. Riley having this problem with drugs like and, and her addiction. Drug addiction. Yep. Mm -hmm. It could have been interesting had they played more with that. And mm -hmm. Riley might have been torn between chasing the ultimate high versus doing what right. a good person would do <laughs> in this mm -hmm. situation. I had that same thought. To me, that was the main missed opportunity in the story. It kind of became a kill off your friends thing, which the Cinebites look awesome. So you kind of go with it. Oh, but yeah. I'm with you. They could have played with that more, I think. If you ask me in the end, the, uh, the hitting you over the head with the whole recovery mantra, you know, and how she would have to accept that all the people she had hurt, you know, and the comparisons to addiction mm -hmm. was a bit, a bit heavy handed. Yeah. I it could be a bit that. on the nose too. That's true. It's gotta be played a certain way. That's true. As I've said before with horror films, I much prefer more ambiguity. There we go. Rather than coming out and just staying. This is what you should get from this. Going back to this puzzle box. Is there only one in existence or are there more? If we're looking at just the original movie, it seemed like there was just the one and then they built on mm -hmm. that. They gave it an origin. It was built by a toy maker, like, what was it, a couple hundred years ago, specifically to summon a demon. There have been copies made it's a toy that maker who has some time on his hands. <laughs> he, must have been watching, he must have been watching demonic toys. Full well, it has a sort of a mechanical like aspect to it. He said, this will show yeah. doll man. Summon a demon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, originally it was just like you solve the box, the Cenobites show up. But this was like, there are different paths you could take. What did you think of that, Beaches? I thought that was kind of an interesting way to build on it. Oh, yeah. I like that, that the original cool. form we saw, we were kind of tricked into thinking it was the box and it ended up being like the neck near the last form. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, what is it, the Leviathan shape? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is from uh, Hellbound, the uh, sequel. The yeah, original. the sequel. Yeah. Very good sequel. Very underrated sequel. I think it's almost as good as the original. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think those two together, that's like a great double feature right there. Yeah. But there was, in, in the sequel to Hellraiser, they they go to hell. And it's like this giant like labyrinthine or maze. Or whatever the Cenobite world is supposed to be. Right. Whatever it's, the world it's is. It's unclear. And there's this big shape like at the center of it called Leviathan, which is the big diamond thing that shows up toward the end. So all that was just like... Which they claim is the god of this universe. Yeah, so it's just like total candy for us as fans, but it also totally fits mm -hmm. because they introduce like the stages, the different paths, the different kind of boons or whatever you could request. So I thought it was a pretty cool way to to mess with it without upending everything i guess i kind of like the thing drawing blood as a way to sort of mark the i thought victims. that was cool i gotta say I thought and, that was cool. and i thought it was kind of like maybe poisoning them too to mm. create this sort of like um this state of being in between worlds maybe oh yeah when they start seeing things and yeah, things yeah, yeah. And, yeah interesting 
but then that also leads into the innocent victims thing, which I wasn't as big a fan from fan mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that. Like her brother gets, I mean, he, I guess he gets cut, but like, it's not like he was like, Ooh, let me. Yeah. It wasn't box. like he really had any interest in the box or yeah. Mm-hmm. He was, it was like one moment of like, what's this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, and from a storytelling point of view, that's, I, I don't know if, if that goes better to serve. It's a way to go because there's certainly horror to just showing up to something and then winding up in this terrible situation. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just feel like it differentiates from the originals too much for me. Okay. So for, for the story, Riley is this recovering addict and mm-hmm. she's living with her brother, her brother's boyfriend and the brother and brother's boyfriend's roommate. Never get a sense that her recovery is going all that well. (laughs) No, no. I mean, she has a sobriety chip and apparently has been making progress, but in general, it seems like she's... There there have been setbacks along the path. Yeah, there are setbacks, so she's not doing all that well. There are definitely some rules about uh, hooking up with someone else in recovery, right? (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty sure there are, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So her sponsor slash boy toy is also a criminal and wants her to come with him on this crime where they steal something from a, an old warehouse that is in a safe and it turns out to be this box from the opening scene it's got a name it's like, called the uh, lament configuration the lament configuration of this yeah. puzzle box yeah and I, I did find the, the different configurations and the, how they all had their own names and their own significance. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, she ends up holding on to it while the boyfriend can contact a pawn shop or some sort of black market dealer, you know, something. While she was out and about, she was playing with it and realizes yes. that it's a puzzle box and the blade shoots out, but it doesn't stab her. Somehow keeps missing her. <laughs> yeah, it requires another victim and she's supposed to choose the next victim. Unfortunately, her brother finds it and cuts himself on it. And she feels like she's hallucinating the Cenobites at first, but doesn't one yes. of them literally say at that point, does it ask for another victim or? Yes. And that starts the whole thing. A Google go. search montage later. You know, <laughs> in Rocky, you got like the training montage, you know, in movies didn't now, have, get the Google search montage. Didn't have Google back in the 80s. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, she starts on this quest to try and figure out more about this box and more about who owned the warehouse and how yeah. they can connect all this and it's figure like out what's going about on. They find out about Voight. They find the old secretary. She gets offed. But <laughs> she's like, I thought off. she was a lawyer. Yeah, she, she was his lawyer. Oh, wait, oh okay. my bad. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. I thought she uh, was kind of interesting, even though a lot of her character arc is off screen. Mm-hmm. She definitely kind of earned her place. I would guess that maybe she didn't quite know what she was doing at first and then became complacent in helping him. Mm-hmm. And so like, she's almost like Harvey not... Weinstein's personal assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's almost resigned to her fate when it comes. Mm-hmm. Like she's been expecting it or, yeah. or like it's almost some kind of relief for her to finally receive this this judgment mm-hmm. yep. and that's yeah. how they end up going to the void house if i remember right and that's kind of where that's an interesting house yes itself it, how it is it is straight out of 13 ghosts <laughs> i i got sort of what was the the ghostbusters uh the cult of gozer guy 
and he built a mine with a Gozer statue in it. Ego, Ego, Shandor, 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 yes. Shandor. Yes. Uh, no, no, Ivo, Ivo, Ivo Shandor, Ivo, Ivo Shandor, Ivo. It gave me that vibe, though. I'm like, it's a building built for like this distinct summoning magic block them out purpose thing. It made me think of that. <laughs> but again, you talk about awesome visuals. Just the visuals of that that grid of metal all around the outside of the mm-hmm. place is very cool. And how it transforms in the center temple almost. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a temple, isn't it? It is. It's kind of structured like a temple, yeah. Like there's a distinct shape, shapes going on. That's a good and metaphor. walls that open up. The design changes and the configuration changes, and it's really, really cool. It's like a building that's like the puzzle box. Whoa. Whoa. Configuration. <laughs> now, I kind of thought of the, uh, I'm not going to remember her name, but the, the Asian friend as like the most throwaway character I had ever seen in a film <laughs> like this. Uh, like I maybe, literally felt Maybe it like, was Nora. I literally have the cast list in front of me over I here. Think right. like, I, think I think you're right. I think you're right. Nora? Her friends, like, did, you, did you have to have the they, cast list because you couldn't remember her name? And even then, I was not totally sure. Like they had gotten to the end and realized they did not have enough victims, so they just threw someone in. But I did. I'm think, with you. I'm with you on that one, Soltis. Some, it was I, I did like think Riley her, got her some scene, story, and the rest were just kind of <laughs> plopped in. I thought her scene being trapped in the wall was one of the creepier moments. Definitely a creepy. Oh moment. yes. And then we also find out that the Google search it's alluded to that he's disappeared or is presumed dead, but he's still in the house and in the walls. And <laughs> and actually her capture. And he has by a pasta maker hooked up to his insides. And oh that, <laughs> that that conversation the one has with her and the, the thing with the, the needle in the throat set. Yes. Oh, that was tough to watch. <laughs> more time was spent on her death than anything previous through her. We've realized that, uh, that Voight is not dead, that his wish was granted like everything else from these creatures. It's been twisted. Kind of a monkey's paw. Yeah. It's a monkey's paw. If the monkey ripped out your entrails and wrapped them (laughs) around a spool of yarn. And all of this culminates at the end with Riley ultimately receiving a wish um, and Voight also being granted a wish, like, like he gets to change his wish because he didn't like what he got. That part was stupid because he had just told them how it always turned bad. Mm-hmm. So how did he think that was going to change? You would think Cenobites have a no takes takes backseas policy. You but... think maybe he'd prefer the bad, the new bad than the bad he had been experiencing. I wasn't sure the mechanics on how he was able to change his wish. In Hellbound, there's a character, not unlike uh, Voight, who um, has clearly researched the puzzle boxes and the mythology around them and uh, tries to seek the rewards of it through someone else doing the puzzle. Okay. And he ends up being tricked and he's turned into like this new ultimate Cenobite. Oh, yeah. Guy does get turned into a Cenobite. Yeah. Yeah. He he turns into the Cenobite that kills the other Cenobite. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. With Riley's wish, she rejects anything that the Cenobites have to offer. Yeah. And then she lives her life, I guess, to be tortured through guilt and whatever. And (laughs) Oh, guilty guilt. And then Voight, who some crazy how is allowed to change his wish, Voight gets 
sucked up into the Leviathan. He he gets granted the Leviathan configuration. And the director came out and explained Voight's ending. But I didn't like that. I didn't like the his explanation of Voight's ending. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I always hate when writers and directors try to explain things off screen after the mm-hmm. thing is, after the films come out. Uh, the director had explained that it that Voight had become a Cenobite. That's what I took. At the end, his flesh is flayed off and he's all deformed and he, he looks like a Cenobite. Mm-hmm. But I had taken it to mean that he was now part of Leviathan, that he was now part of the power source for this god that he had I get been that. granted power by becoming part of this divine being. The way that it was shot, it was grotesque, but it was almost beautiful at the same time. The care that they took with the flesh peeling back, and it was this very transformative, almost holy experience for Void going through this dismemberment. And see, this <laughs> this right here is why I was interested in like what you would take from it, as opposed to like having seen Hellbound. I think that influenced what I mm. took from the ending. To me, it's very reminiscent of the scene where the guy is uh, is turned into like the ultimate Cenobite in that movie. The movie really should be taken on its own. Yeah, it is. It's very much a new standalone kind of thing, for sure. I enjoyed it. I thought that it was incredibly interesting, especially the part with the yeah. Cenobites. And the- There's just something about the concept that's interesting, even if the story maybe in places you want to maybe drags a little or you want to tweak a it's few things. It's definitely the best Hellraiser since the 1980s. Yeah, I mean, just like the concept and the execution <laughs> of the effects and... It's it's worth watching for sure if you're yeah, it is it is very well interested filmed. in such things. And mm-hmm. and the, the music is excellent. It's oh the music's great and it's beautiful and the prosthetics are crazy and the designs are wild. It's mm-hmm. it's worth a watch for sure. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our midnight cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor. Beaches and Doug. Thank you and good night. Were these sacrifices? Did did they become Cenobites or, or were they just ripped apart and dismembered? I, I don't think any of the ones we saw were people we had seen in the movie. Um, not in this one. That does happen sometimes in the Hellraiser movies, uh, usually in some of the dumber ones. You're like, oh, oh man, okay. I remember Bill. Look, it's Bill. Bill doesn't Doug, have eyelids Doug, anymore. Sorry, Bill. Do you remember, do you remember um, Bloodlines? Have you seen that one? The one that it doesn't, it's not Hellraiser in space, but there is a part of the story set in the future and they are in space. I did see that once. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what? there are the two? It's been so long. No, it, it's okay. It's the one that introduces the, the idea that this toy maker designed the thing and it I follows. Say, unfortunately, his, it's one of the better sequels, believe it or not. It, it really is. <laughs> it follows his ancestors. Oh my um, throughout time. I don't remember anything about it. I haven't seen and it since it, I was And like it ends 13, in the future where one of his ancestors has built this spaceship to uh, contain and eventually destroy Pinhead and the puzzle box altogether. 
It's the year 2127. But Pinhead, my question the evil is- <laughs> Cinnabite of the series, has found himself on board a space station in outer space. <laughs> Run by the scientist Dr. Oh. Merchant. Okay. Sorry, I was reading a plot it's, synopsis. It's not on nearly as ter- terrible as Jason X. <laughs> So, but do you actually, remember? Actually, I have a soft spot for Jason X. I'm sorry. It, I do too. I, I apologize. <laughs> the 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 holographic uh, uh, ladies in the the sleeping bag. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. That movie is so crazy. Oh, anyway, okay. Do you remember the two the twin security guards in Bloodlines? I don't. Where they're just random victims. They're just security guards in this building, but they run into Pinhead while he's doing his Pinhead business. And he causes them to like merge together by like their ears. <laughs> so they become these no. twin cinnabites. I remember that. No, I do. It's like a weird. Um, do you remember twin. there's a cinnabite dog in that one? Oh my gosh. That movie's uh, crazy. It's crazy, and it's still (laughs) like before this one. It was still the third best Hellraiser. And and again, my goodness! And again, this was only the fourth movie. Much like Leprechaun Four went into space, Hellraiser Uh, Four went into space. 